Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's BudPod128. Is that right? 128, yeah. Got. I want to eat a big steak. I want to I want to eat I want to I want to eat I want to eat yeah, but I can't. I love you. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's a good a kind of um a very a sort of emotionally generous uh cockney man. I want to eat Love Island, but it's just such good TV. <laughs> yeah, and that's good because that's the kind of conversations that people are having now that they're out of lockdown. Yeah, exactly. That's going to seem uh, relevant to our listeners. They're going to be back at the at the water cooler. <laughs> Those water cooler moments. We don't, we've never had a water cooler in our line of work. No, what's uh, what do we have? Green room moments. Green room, yeah, I guess. Sometimes green rooms have a kettle yeah they have a kettle that is the same kind of slightly upsetting yellow um it's that is the kettle from back in the days before they had swivel kettles so it's the ones that you can is with the square plug-in bit on the base yes. that you have so you have to get it pointing in the right direction <laughs> yeah. yeah it clunks in did you know the the ring contact kettles were originally invented for well they're designed for people with um, arthritis, so that um, so that they could place a kettle down at any orientation mm. and didn't have to turn their wrists. And then they realized this is just better for everyone, and now it's the the leading design. Gosh, and everyone just went, "Get me some of that." Yeah, I want some of that sweet arthritis shit. I want an arthritis kettle. <laughs> yeah. Why do they get? Why do all the rheumatoids get all the fun? <laughs> I've I've just come up with a new a slur for people. I was going to say, yeah, that's that's another Star Trek race. The rheumatoids. The rheumatoids. Their spaceships are designed for people who can't really bend over or grip. Yeah, they can dock at any angle. The ship can dock at any angle. <laughs> well, the the war between the rheumatoids and the Crevassians has been going on for a very long time. <laughs> the Crevassians from last last week on Bunny. <clears throat> the Crevassians, right. yeah. Um, yeah, that's amazing. I, I, uh, I, one of the, there's not that many people who went to my school, Phil, who have, uh, amazing achievements. There are a few, but one of them is a guy who invented the thing that turns the kettle off once it's boiled. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, this is from a while back. I, I presume you're talking about someone who was a contemporary of yours, but that, that's an old, <laughs> no, this that's is an old invention. The fifties or whenever, a long time ago. Yeah. So the right, so the the device, the the mechanism that turns off a kettle when it's boiled is an Isle of Man invention. Yes, although I, I assume he was long off the island and busy working as an engineer somewhere when he did it. But yes, it is. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in that, wow. in a sense, in a sense, um, I'm never clear on whether Americans have proper kettles or not because in in TV shows, for them, 
drinking tea. I've learned this because it also came up, and I know we've already discussed this extensively, but it came up when I was watching, hate watching The Punisher. Mm. The only people who ever make tea in American TV shows or movies is like Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. uh, Or like a grandma or a psychic or a therapist. Yeah, or or like a a yogi Mm. or a hippie or something. Yeah, Americans don't have kettles. It's, It's weird. They have these big like... (laughs) <laughs> those big metal like cowboy kettles that they have to put on a stove yeah they don't have electric Crackers. kettles and, and they only ever make tea in, in an effort to kind of hold it with both hands and sip it and go are you okay like it's a sort of and it's never tea tea you have to specify black tea yeah, yeah. it's you're more likely to like find turmeric tea than English tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you like? Yeah, they, the the psychic in the movie says, "I'll make us some tea." She's pouring fucking cranberries into this cowboy kettle. I mean, I remember when I went over to America to do my first ever American gig when I filmed the my Netflix set in 2018. Oh yeah, minutes for the comedy lineup it was in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, I was taken to my trailer, and they're like. Would you like a coffee? And I just said, oh, I'll just have a tea, please. It's a tea with milk. And, and the runner too confidently, well, like, misleadingly confidently said, sure, tea with milk, gotcha. And then I went and I got my makeup done and I came back and I found um, a paper cup of hot water, a tea bag that was um, um, orange tea as in like orange like dried orange or something right yeah flavored tea a cinnamon stick <laughs> and just a plastic cup full of milk a full <laughs> cup of milk he got you a little bit of christmas <laughs> That's astonishing I mean, but it's like the confidence of like tea with milk got it okay some dried orange a cinnamon stick and a full glass of milk was your was your runner um a five-year-old making a potion <laughs> from ingredients around the house. What you experienced there, Phil, was not just the unerring confidence, <clears throat> excuse me, not just the unerring confidence of an American whose job is to, to serve you, but also the absolute dedication to whatever insane fucking request someone involved in entertainment might have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, that, you know, in, in the entertainment biz in America... The whack, the wackier the option, the safer it is, probably. Yeah, the the more crazy your request, the more serious it is to get it right. Because yeah, you're clearly yeah. crazy. Clearly. So if you'd ask for some white dog shit in a brown paper cup, <laughs> and some lemongrass, he would have brought it. <laughs> you went okay. He would have been just as positive about it. <laughs> But I mean, no wonder, like, when Americans are like, and, and the English drink their tea with milk. And it's like, well, I would also be skeptical and disgusted by that if I thought it was dried bits of orange and cinnamon. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, fair enough. Yeah, that would be insane. <laughs> or like iced, like Lipton iced tea, like mango Lipton. Just pour Lipton's a big, that's a, that's a big brand in America for, for black tea, is it's all Lipton. <clears throat> yeah. And it's just the same in Malaysia, actually. It's the, it's, it's the, it's the colonial tea brand, it seems, Lipson. Yeah, it's yeah. And anyone who poured a, a load of fucking cream into that would seem insane. Like they're trying to create some sort of Solero drink. 
<laughs> Speaking of drinks, um, Podbuzz, you might notice that Pierre's timbre <laughs> is um, even more baritone than usual. Yes. Because he is in Edin- Edinburgh, <clears throat> Scotland, home of the drink. It's true. You're, you're hearing the pints, sound. Pints, pints, pints. Uh, what was that? Home of pints, pints, pints. <laughs> yeah, that's what they have on neon signs instead of girls, girls, girls. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're. Uh, that's right, Podbuds. You're hearing the the sounds of the effects of um, kilograms of haggis and liters of whiskey. Because <laughs> I'm talking to you from Edinburgh, Scootland. Um, scoot over to scoot, scoot over to Scootland. Scoot on by. That's right. You're the Edinburgh Fringe, the Edinburgh Fringe reborn. Yes, Edinburgh, <laughs> Edinburgh Fringe rises. Yeah, that's the like movie. Like a cautious phoenix, <laughs> like a masked phoenix. Yeah, the masked phoenix sounds like quite a good sort of 1950s cartoon character, like a comic strip. Yes. Very, um, very film when noir. dangers around the masked phoenix uh, is sure to be found is it's sure to be found yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the fringe is very weird Phil it's very very strange I've only seen when I arrived everyone assured me there would be no flyers as opposed to 10 hundred million flyers which is normal um, it's not quite none a few have survived okay. the nuclear war um, they're like cockroaches yeah Yes, and 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 some breeding pairs of human statues have lived as well. <laughs> the the wild population of human statues has not been depleted. There are a few uh, on the Royal Mile calling for mates. Well, it's very hard. It's, yeah, it's very hard to get human statues to mate, of course, because they won't move. Not where, they won't mate while you're watching. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they want that money. <laughs> a few, yeah, you have to look away. Yeah, yeah, they need privacy. A few, um, a few street performers, and I didn't realize this would be something strange for me, Phil, until it's happened this fringe. But ha- see how you see how you think of this. See if you agree with mm. me that this feels strange when you really consider it. An entire Edinburgh Fringe Royal Mile with some street performers on, but not a single Australian or Kiwi accent. Wow. Yeah. It's coming home. The fringe is coming home. <laughs> the fringe has come home. Almost everyone is Scottish. It's terrifying. Wow. Yeah. It's, it must. It must feel like how it was in the very first one that celebrated the end of the Second World War. Yeah. It's. It. It. I mean, everyone's like disproportionately local. There's not really that many flyers. There's most of the places that you and I know as having basically been wallpapered with posters for hundreds of miles of, of wall and council property and bollard. None of that's here, really. Yeah. Um, so it feels like... The, and, and everything's kind of sold out. I mean, everyone's shows are really, really full. There's people sort of oh, great. waiting to get in. It feels like... So there are people. There are punters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's plenty of punters. I think there's, there's, there's obviously fewer punters, but there's disproportionately, like... Let's say punters has decreased by... You know, 90%, but shows have decreased by 99.9%. So proportionately, there's wow. actually loads of punters per show. Um, How interesting. So actually, everyone's having a very good time. It feels like this must be what the Fringe was like in the 80s or something. Are there awards in that happening this year? No, 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 sadly, no. no. Oh, 
rats. That could have been <laughs> everyone's chances are, are so much higher. That's right. Yeah, it's like the the some sort of like mid World War Two Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. I didn't know that. So wow. So it's a real like for this just for the sake of the craft year. Yeah, it it, it feels like Machanslath for for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, Machanslath Comedy Festival in Wales is the is a uh, very small boutique comedy festival in the tiny town of Machanslath in the Brecon Beacons, and all sort of industry by which we mean like reviewers, journalists, PRs, producers, they're all banned. They're not allowed to be there, and if they are there, they have to come as customers. They can't, you know, work it and turn it into Edinburgh, e.g., an arms race. Um, <laughs> and it's such a small town that you can just walk around trying to buy Welsh rare bit from someone and you can see Stuart Lee and um, sort of Sarah Pascoe or whatever, or everyone just sort of walking around in the same little town. So it's very nice. And the fringe is as close to that as I think it's going to be ever again. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you are, you're making the most of this unique opportunity. You know, no one is going to be able to enjoy this particular version, this comfy version of the Edinburgh Fronge. That's right. It's normally a very intense month. I'm only here for, I'm only here for six nights. Six nights. Six get, nights only. Six. Pints, pints, pints. <laughs> Pierre, Pierre, Pierre in neon. Bam, bam, bam. Pierre, Pierre, Pierre. Six nights only. And the, the sort of um, neon animation is me sipping one of the pints. <laughs> With a cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> winking. And winking. a whip. Yeah, yeah, winking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like sort of old and classic, like golden age of Vegas songs playing Tom Jones, whatever. What's the vibe among Edinburghians? Are they like, we'll never take you for granted again? Or have they gone straight back to bloody southerners coming up and taking over the city? They seem the ones that I, well, I mean, disproportionately, obviously, I meet the ones who have re-engaged with the fringe. Yeah, of course. But they, they, they are, there do seem to be a lot of them, and they do seem to be a very sort of ruefully like, oh, you bunch of scamps, you know. I mean, that, that, that goodwill will dissolve um, <laughs> yeah. almost immediately on contact with air. But um, it's, it's very refreshing, because normally, as you say, the, even though the festival brings in you know, a billion pounds for just one month clowning around, they tend to be very resentful. Um, mm, a lot of people mm. tend to hate it or just leave for a month as if it was Genghis Khan coming. I mean, I guess I've, you know, I, I'm, I'm being a bit of a hypocrite because I guess that's how I feel now about tourists in London. Yeah. You know, when a, when a Spanish family stop st- <laughs> still in a road for no reason at all, yeah. <laughs> I go, you know what? No more tourists, ban tourists. <laughs> But at the same time, it brings money in, doesn't it? It pays for the same, the very roads that they've stood in the middle of for no reason. That's it, yeah. That's the price we yeah. pay. It is a price you pay. That's the price we pay, Phil. And I'm, I'm up here preparing, as you know, for a recording. Me and um, Garrett Millerick, friend of the podcast and feature of um, the, the, uh, his, his own... Uh, Oh God! What's it? I'm blanking on the name of his podcast. Help me, Phil. Oh, I'm also blanking on it now. It's um, re- um, re- relevant, relevant, and <laughs> has it got the word relevant in it? <laughs> I don't think so. Laughable, for goodness' sake, Phil. Laughable. Why didn't I think it was called relevant? <laughs> it would be a very funny name for a podcast. Relevant. <laughs> 
No, Laughable. Garrett's podcast is called Laughable. It's a big hit smash podcast. And me and him are recording an hour of our stand-up each to put on the YouTubes for free. Because we think YouTube's going to be big, Phil. Yeah. Get in on the ground now, Pierre. Yeah. This online video thing is... Uh, I think it's going to blow up. Yeah, I wouldn't want to miss out. Uh, through my own... Well, of course, I did my, my, my first two... St- st- solo stand-up shows are on YouTube. I-, I made them and put them on YouTube. That's it. Years ago, I was a trailblazer. That's right. I wish I'd uh, I wish I'd copied you immediately, as opposed to just now. Um. <laughs> but you know, I, it, they're now sort of curios, really. Because at the time, I was like, I'm brilliant at stand-up, and if no one will put my specials out, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and looking back now, I'm like, these are pretty. Yeah, I mean, these are sophomore. Offerings, <laughs> um, but I leave them up now just as sort of like I don't know for for the odd sort of comedy fan, Phil Wang fan who kind of wants to see, you know, see see if you ever think watching me now like uh, he's all right, you can go back and and realize that it could be worse. <laughs> Sophomore offerings was a fantastic cellist. <laughs> Uh, do you find that do you look back and do you think it's well i mean obviously it's not as good as you are now you you would you would hope so um yeah exactly exactly but you don't find that it's bad hopefully well i haven't actually watched in a long time because i'm actually worried that if i do watch it i'll i'll be tempted to take them down and i don't really want to take them down i kind of i think it's neat to have that archive yeah up there i think yeah leave them leave them be let let sleeping wangs lie um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, but the point is, Podbuds, these recordings that Garrett and I are doing are happening in London, 2nd and 3rd of September at Pleasance in Islington. Um, so do come along. Garrett is going to be advertising it to the laughable podcast crowd. And so it's become a classic pod fight, Phil. It's a pod off. It's a pod off. It's a good old fashioned pod off. It's a pod off. Texas rules. Texas rules. Whoever whoever gets the biggest laughs for their niche long running podcast in jokes wins. <laughs> That's how a Texas style pod off happens. Um, uh, but yes, do come along and you will be immortalized in recording, both visual and audio. Uh, Great on the second and third of September. It's um, it should be good. It's a best of. I'm doing a sort of selected a bit of new stuff, bit a bit of COVIDy new stuff. Get it out of the way. And a selected best of of the last five years or so, uh, which has meant that I, similar to what you're saying with your specials, Phil, I've been going through my archives and yeah. pruning. That's great. I think it's a lovely thing to do. Some and you, sometimes you rediscover an old bit. I think we've talked about this before. You come you come up with the idea an idea for a bit when early on in your career, and you're not actually good enough to make it work yet. And it's like yeah. in a, it's like in a fantasy RPG where you pick up a level thirty sword, but you're only level ten. <laughs> yeah. But you should keep the sword and wait until you're level thirty. And there's some bits of material I think you can go back and actually you can probably now do. Yeah, and up up till up till then you try and swing it and it just goes. <laughs> and you do yourself 10 damage. <laughs> yeah. Um what's your living sitch in Edinburgh like? You in a a lovely flat? I'm in a with... lovely a lovely sort of flat that's more like a hotel to be honest because it's only 6 nights whereas normally as you know Phil we would be in a student flat let out by a tyrannical mm-hmm. local landlord. 
uh, yep. a few miles out of the center. Exactly. Um, with um, a light with that is without exception covered with a big that circular lampshade that all lights in Edinburgh have for some reason. All ceiling lights are a single bulb hung with a round, like circular, spherical lampshade. Sort of paper ball. Sorry? A sort of paper ball. Yeah, like a paper <clears throat> ball lampshade. As as seen, actually, probably not just Edinburgh, all of Scotland, as seen in the... the yeah, because it's in Limmy. It's, in, it's on Limmy shows, isn't it's it? It's that Limmy sketch. It's one of my favorite sketches, yeah. yeah, where he becomes addicted to wearing the paper ball on his head. Yeah, it must be a Scottish thing. I wonder how that happens, where just one particular country or place just decides that, you know what, maybe it's just because Scotland has disproportionately had, like got all these really high ceilings and single yeah. bulbs hanging. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, just looking into my, I mean, in my flat now, the ceiling is just too low to have something like that. You'd, you'd t- you just take out a lot of headspace. Also, like, if you had a high ceiling of quite a big room with a single bulb lighting it, a lampshade would look silly. Yeah, you look like you're you're trying to set up a uh, a Vietnamese pop up restaurant, and you're trying to make it look like the streets of um I've forgotten the I've forgotten the oh no I've forgotten the capital of Vietnam um, Ho Chi Minh City Ho Chi Minh City um but it's but like I think like a normal like bedroom lampshade in a giant Scottish living room with a high ceiling would look like um a tiny bowler hat on a very large man. Yeah. Yeah. You need something a bit more substantial. Why does Scotland why do Scottish buildings or Edinburgh buildings they have all these high ceilings? It's in my head if it's a colder country, you don't want these high rooms that can get much colder. That's a good point. Yeah. Also, they're such old buildings, and old buildings usually have lower ceilings because everyone used to be shorter. Yeah, at some point when they built them, they just went, you know what, we're going mental with this. We're going nuts. (laughs) Two two doors in height. Uh, I do like the flat in Edinburgh. I do miss miss this thing in the flat in Edinburgh. Yes, the Fring, Phil. What? 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 The Fring, the Professor Fring. <laughs> uh, oh, and no- noodles and dumplings. Have you been to noodles and dumplings? Oh, yet? we should do that. Oh God, we should do that One today, of the maybe. Greatest restaurants in the world. God damn. Noodles and dumplings, Edinburgh. Yeah, it's a good point. Gosh. The one that started off um, the Slurpees, my, yes. my Slurpee awards. Yes. Well, I mean, your your Slurpees recently uh, made all the difference to a to a local business. Yeah, Macau Kitchen and a brilliant restaurant in Edinburgh of Macanese food, which I'd never had before. Food from Macau. Um, they won. Um, they won uh, the Slurpee in 2019, and Ben Partridge, who makes the fantastic uh, Meat and Dairy podcast, went there and took a photo of the framed and self-made <laughs> Slurpee Award. Mac- Macau Kitchen have framed up and made a Slurpee Award with a picture of me on it. <laughs> saying winner of the 2019 Phil Wang Slurpee Award, which is the I, I've never felt more honored in my life. It was it looked amazing as well. They put a lot of effort into making it look like a real. They really did. They really did. It looks like a real proper award, and it is. I guess it is. But yeah, apparently they said it 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 helped them out. It got people in through the doors, which you know it's mad. Something I just sort of started doing on Twitter for a bit of fun. This is. This is your newfound power. Yeah. 
This is I will wield it irresponsibly. This is you realizing that you have that kind of lightning force from Star Wars in your hands. <laughs> yeah. You just sort of go, Pew! customers for a shop. Yeah. Yeah, I should be, yeah. With great noodle power comes great noodle responsibility, I suppose. That's right. That's right. That's fair. Yeah. Are you, and are you missing noodles and dumplings? Or are you missing, what about the fringe? It's the middle of August, Phil. Are you having phantom fringe pregnancy? I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I'm waking up hungover, even though I haven't had anything to drink. It's a, I don't know, it's weird. Um, well, I mean, no, I, I don't, I, I, I don't have this umbilical tie to the Edinburgh Fringe that a lot of comedians seem to. Yeah. But I don't have much of a tie to anything. If I'm if I'm away from something, I, I'm I'm quite happy. I'm I'm away from it. I don't think about it. It's that international brain. Syndrome again. Inter- yeah, international school brain, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Or- it's a gift and a curse. <laughs> You're like a, a well-traveled baby. You have no object permanence. <laughs> but this is all inside this is all inside baseball, Phil. Let's let's get global. Yeah. Let's get global and uh, congratulate the Taliban on all their recent successes. They've done so well, the Taliban. <laughs> 20 years of hurt, Pierre. 20 years of hurt. Well, the Taliban is coming home. Yeah, it's it's Are you, so- you you know what's funny, right? You know what's funny is after after 2016, after Brexit and Trump, all everyone kept saying was we need to turn the Can, can we try turning the world off and on again? Can we turn the world off and on again, please? Can we reset? And then COVID happened, and they kind of got what they were asking for. COVID was a hard reset on the world. Yeah. And now, um, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are back together, <laughs> and the Taliban are back. It's 2002 <laughs> again, baby. It worked. We turned the world off and on again, and we're back at 2002. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's terrifying, but it's true. And and the the president is a, an old guy with a kind of whispery voice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's not quite perfect because he's you know a Democrat, but you know it's it's two thousand and two again. Yeah, I mean, gosh, yeah. Well, 20- the fir- yeah the, fir- the well you know George W. Bush oversaw a disastrous invasion, and Biden's overseen a disastrous withdrawal. <laughs> so it, it's it's a kind of a neat yeah reflection really of of one another. It balances out. Yeah, they're an inversion of each other. I read today that. Um, when when they started planning the 11th of September with withdrawal from Afghanistan this year, American troops, there's um, one U.S. Uh, intelligence assessment um, predicted that Afghanistan would return to Taliban rule in about six months. Um, and in the end, it was 10 days. Yeah, even the most pessimistic one, apparently, was the most pessimistic prediction from anyone, really, was 90 days. Right. So... Oh, I mean, it turns out, Phil, that if you set up a system whereby when you're trying to report on the effectiveness of the Afghan National Army and the only news allowed is good news, you won't really have an accurate picture of if they even exist. Say that again. Well, they have a system that all the articles are about how the U.S. Army, who are, the, the U.S. who are mainly training the Afghan National Army, the only news they really yeah. reported upwards was good news. Right. So it was like the stereotype of what happened with the Soviet Union, where it's like, 
everyone is incentivized to lie to the guy above them. And at the end of the chain, someone has to stand in front of the Senate and make sure they still have funding. Mm. So they just go, yeah, it's going brilliantly. They've got laser guns now. Their eyes can see really far. They're 50 feet tall, every one of them. And everyone goes, brilliant. Whereas mm. in reality, mm. they had like ghost battalions, like money was being paid for entire battalions of infantry that didn't even exist. It was just going to oh, some Oh, really? Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's an absolute fucking disaster. Yeah, it's a joke. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Absolute joke. And, and like depending on where... There's, there's some very good um, Twitter accounts of sort of academics and journalists, if you guys want to get more up to date on this incredibly depressing situation um and lots of it is like local politics like people who are actually from the same you know ethnic group or sect just making deals a lot of it's just deal making um so in fairness sometimes when they say the city of whatever has fallen what's actually happened is they've just gone and rung up their cousin and gone hey do you want to surrender and the cousin's gone like yeah okay yeah yeah seems fair what else can they do? Yeah, you should be like, well, fuck it. There's no one else here. I mean, there's nothing. There's no help. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just amazing what the Middle East is. Just a a, a series of lids on boiling pots, and <laughs> and every couple of decades, America just goes. I think we'll just take the lid off, and you never. It's always hard to tell, I guess, what the lid is. You know, with the Iraq War. It turned out the lid on Iraq was Saddam Hussein. Yeah. It didn't look like it because he was a terrible dictator. But he was the lid on this boiling pot. And But the, the surely everyone could have, should have seen that American presence this time around was the lid. It was quite clearly the lid. Yeah, well, this is the thing is that everyone, you know, unless you go out and like... There's an interesting article from a from a who's a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army or something, and his job was to go around checking on all this kind of thing, like auditing it and seeing what people needed kit wise. And he wrote an article on, in the Armed Forces Journal in 2012, where he was saying, "Literally none of the reports in Washington tally with anything I've seen. Um, no one, none of the Afghan National Army I met leave their bases. Some of them are." Like, not even there. None of the U.S. troops like them or work well with them because they don't support each other. Like, just on and on and on. That was in 2012. So just add another eight years of total decline. Um, mm. So it's just incompetence and mismanagement. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, sit down. But then does that mean that, that this outcome was inevitable and it's only a matter of time? No, I mean, no. No, I don't think any failure is inevitable. I mean, if they'd actually gone around and made sure the money was being spent on actual soldiers who existed and that i mean afghanistan is famously this un you know it's it's this sort of this unsolvable place but i think it's that's too easy because we weren't like it's unsolvable in the sense that you can't do what the russians did and try and like stay and govern it as basically as russians whereas Mm. you could in theory hand it over to some other afghans because it's not like when we leave it's it's like the Taliban are governing it, so it's clearly possible to govern, right? Right, right. It's not like it's magical and impossible to govern. It is possible, but it's not possible if what you do is you create a system so corrupt and overflowing with money that you don't track that a bunch of Afghan soldiers and policemen who want to help but can't fight the fact that they haven't been paid in four months because the guy in charge of their regiment is just stealing all the money and now he lives in Dubai. Mm. So unless you create some kind of system where everyone's really accountable and 
if a civil servant steals all the money that's supposed to go to the army, they get hanged in the town square. I don't know. Something really horrible happens to them, so everyone gets terrified. Or It's, it's just that thing where there's no incentive to behave. Why would you? Mm. Yeah. I don't think... I think it's too easy to say that it was inevitable. I think that lets everybody off the hook for being stupid, to be honest. Um, right, but I only say that because it's it's just... I mean, the history repeats itself with Afghanistan so specifically that it's, almost, it's become cliche now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also just very invadable. Uh, In theory, you could say it's the most invadable place, right? By using the same logic. <laughs> no other country has been <laughs> okay. invaded so often by so many powers. <laughs> Maybe Egypt. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the, that... Uh, you know, it was always going to be withdrawing was always going to fuck everything up. But this is like, this is the worst version of all possible worlds that they've done. It just seems like such a, a, a waste. Oh, it's a huge waste. I mean, what did we spend? Four hundred and sixty million billion, forty-six billion. What was it? I think it was, like, I was in like sixty-five billion or something. It was a lot of bananas. That's for sure. UK Afghanistan expenditure. At least thirty-seven billion. Right. Yeah. Whereas um the US was two I mean, that's, two point two tr- two point two trillion. We spent half a track and trace program on <laughs> Afghanistan. And and given the where our troops were, probably just on Hellmand, right? Yeah, and that was the first one to fall. I mean, wouldn't it have been cheaper just to hire the Taliban, right? At a certain and point, convert them, just just hire them somehow, or just say, "Look, we'll pay you the salaries directly. We won't, it won't be corrupt, but just switch sides." Because everyone seems to be switching sides, so clearly, it's a lot of it for pe- a lot of people. It's just about money, survival. Mm, mm. I always think that when my the, um, when, my, when, my when, favorite yeah. Co- Current my my favorite genre of comment from world leaders is um, the Taliban must promise to <laughs> to uphold liberal values. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I I, I like uh, I like all the people who are anti-military interventionism sending their solidarity to the women of Afghanistan. It's absolutely pathetic. Just, I mean, if th- thumbs thumbs up thumbs up sisters. <laughs> fucking pathetic I mean I mean if if, uh, if you can watch what is happening in Afghanistan unfold and still be blanket against all intervention um, I, I you're beyond help I think yeah. you don't actually care about the world and women and people who live in these dire circumstances yeah, I mean, you don't care. You don't care. You just want to say war is bad. Yeah, and of course it's not, and it's not like it's good in the sense that it's ideal. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I was quite surprised that some people sort of being like, there's some public figures, some newspaper outlets starting to sort of go, the Taliban have just retaken this city, and they're being awful to everyone there, and. <laughs> These are sort of people or news outlets who are very sort of like frowny about the the war generally or about the idea of it, sort of going, oh, what a waste. Oh, isn't there a better way? And the, and sort of it's like, well, you weren't that pro. Like, this is what this is what's going to happen. Like, 
you can't you can't be anti it and then not uh, understand that this is what's going to happen. Like, make your peace with it. Don't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think they were going to yeah, do? The I Taliban mean, were going to go, no, we were only against new girls' schools. I mean, there's that, there's that statement from the Stop the War Coalition <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, we, that we both saw, which was like, um, <laughs> the, the West must now pay reparations to the Taliban for occupying Afghanistan and also accept all refugees from Afghanistan. Yeah. It's like, okay, so then should the Taliban have been in charge or not? What do you believe? <laughs> what is it you think... <laughs> Should have happened to people. Oh, yeah, people are so thick. they're saying we should we should take we should take refugees from Afghanistan because they're fleeing the Taliban, who we should also give hundreds of millions of pounds to to kind of supercharge them. I don't know. They they, they it's one of the it's 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 <laughs> one of the thickest organizations out there. I'd say, and it's a real shame that the the fact that they were clever enough to be the loudest voice and the best physical presence on all the Iraq war marches in 2003 have it's given them this level of prominence when they're so strange and run by such a bunch of weirdos and have these insane takes Mm -hmm. I mean I mean it goes to show the power of uh, a good name just call yourself stop the war that sounds good (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. no one wants to join the keep the war going please coalition (laughs) <laughs> I tried to start the first meeting fill of the Keep Shooting People Club, and no one showed up. <laughs> the only people who showed up were people from Stop the War to protest it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I was expecting yeah, it's terribly. A... It's terribly depressing, but also kind of retro. Yeah, it's, all... it's kind of retro, Pierre. Yeah, it's all back. Everything. It's 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 the early noughties again. This is this just goes to show how far our nostalgia culture has gone. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, you know, we're we're making sequels to Avatar. We're um, we're rebooting. Um, what the fuck's getting rebooted at the moment? Making fucking Cruella. Yeah. We're Star bringing Wars. back all these old franchises, including the Taliban. <laughs> This is this is nostalgia culture gone too far. How soon? How soon do you think it'll be when nostalgia culture catches up so quickly that it's just back to making current affairs programs? Mm. Or just the news. The news is nostalgia culture for what happened that day. Yeah, well, I want I want um repeats of the news from 2005. <laughs> How soon do you think Netflix will do a kind of like a, you know, Narcos style drama about just the Taliban? Oh, it's definitely, it's definitely going to come. It's got to be on the way, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd probably be pretty good, actually. I mean, it's, it's it'd make for a good drama. I mean, was yeah. that, yeah, it'd be like Homeland, basically, but maybe from... The Afghan perspective. Well, it'd be very Game of Thrones because there's all different warlords and factions. Of and, course, of course. And it would be funny that more research would go into that Netflix um, series than has been done clearly by the U.S. Department of Defense <laughs> over the past yeah. two decades. 
Two decades, Phil. There are people fighting in the war who were not born when it began. Mm, terrible. Crazy. Well, I mean, that's my tickets to Kabul ripped up. <laughs> oh, man. Another holiday. <laughs> another holiday ruined by thanks a lot 2021 I, another I, holiday I, ruined i can't believe they've put it in the on the red list <laughs> the government can't make up its mind about what countries yeah god when do you think in in life when do, when do you think we'll get to the point where we can go as tourists when it'll be something that people do and it isn't doesn't sound too insane it'll be a bit like going to india to Afghanistan? Yeah. Well, I mean, when was the last time that was the case? 1970s? Yeah. So. So. Huh. Um, I would say. I would say maybe when you and I are 80 years old. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. We go on some kind of like uh, pensioners cruise. A desert cruise. We have to wait for for Jeff Bezos to buy Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, with his arm. Well, I mean, he, he probably do, has. He, he could just buy out the Taliban. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, as a franchise, and he also has more drones than the U.S. Army. <laughs> yeah. He's also probably Amazon has so much data. He probably would have found Bin Laden faster as well. <laughs> Just looked up where he was getting all those packages delivered. Oh yeah, we 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 sent him like twenty Brita filters last weekend. We know exactly where he is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's got a subscription going on them. Don't know what he's drinking, but God, yeah, in his little compound. They should have. I mean, what what would have been the smartest thing to do? The second you shoot Bin Laden in the face, just then leave Afghanistan and say, yeah, that's who we came here to kill. And even though he was in Pakistan, we're going to leave. Mm. That would have at least made it seem like you had a consistent mission and you'd done it. And at least there wouldn't have been the sense of loss having brought Afghanistan to some level of stability and democracy only to lose it again. Yeah, maybe that would have been... Maybe that would have been the second worst version of all possible worlds. But I mean, this is this is literally the argument of people like to stop the war. Is like we shouldn't have done anything and just let it, let let this have been the case for the last twenty years as well. <laughs> just just um just put up with just put up with the them existing and just Bin Laden just hanging out filming videos. His videos getting gradually more advanced, then joining TikTok. They'd be on TikTok. He'd have a TikTok account. By now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd have a kind of Bin Laden filter. He'd be putting his own music up there. But you know, one thing I have to give props to the Taliban for, and it's not something I like to make a habit of, <laughs> is um, is their commitment to their, those outfits. It's been 20 years. They still dress yeah. exactly the same. They have yeah. seen all the fads come around. Bum bags, sportswear, <laughs> bucket hats. And they've gone, no, 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 no. We know our wardrobe. We know what works. They're like they're like uh, they're like Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. They have an outfit. They're too busy to to. They, there's one less decision to make in the morning because they're busy. They've they've been extremely busy. I mean, we should have known we could never conquer any group strong enough to ignore the Ugg boot craze. <laughs> 
<laughs> what else have what else have they missed it's funny when you look back and realize that you know, the clothing of your era did have a thing yeah what else have they missed it's sort of um skinny jeans they were never going to go for that no no far too revealing skinny jeans wheelies <laughs> wheelie shoes yeah um, maybe that's how they've taken the country so quickly Drawing light up sketches, yeah. Uh, God, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, but then okay. Mm. It certainly puts mm. raw problems into perspective, right? But now this is where my Middle Eastern scholarship fails me. What from from here on? You know, is it is it going? Is it? Is it going to be effectively like a terrorist group has its own country now? Or is it a new kind of stability in the Middle East? Is it the kind of stability that we had before 2001? Well, they, well before the 2001, it was, it was still like an ongoing civil war. So either it's going to be like that or the, the new stability is so precious that even the Taliban want it. And they, I mean, certainly like the, the Keta Shura, like the kind of Doha-based external, like world-facing Taliban figures are all Yeah, saying, they have an office in Doha. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's in like a nice building. I was trying to imagine it. <laughs> we go in and it's is like... Is there a reception? Um, it's, like a, it's like the Apple offices. It's like Google. Yeah, it's like really nice and like metal and glass. Yeah, and they've, but they've got like thought pods and, and bouncy ball rooms and... <laughs> <laughs> and a pick and mix. A pick and mix in the break room. Yeah, this guy's people are skateboarding. <laughs> and they're just like, this is where we just like to sit and brainstorm ideas on how to take back Afghanistan. <laughs> they're just really uh, cool and young. Um, so they keep saying very... You like the hot desk? <laughs> I guess every desk is a hot desk in Doha. <laughs> 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 just our little joke um, but they've all been saying things like oh no everything's going to be brilliant and it's stable and wonderful and fine and we're going to keep everything going um, but they've also more importantly given that they share you know borders with Russia, China and Pakistan they've been also saying it to them so mm. they do have a massive incentive to just keep everything because they probably have more control now than they even did in the 90s because they don't. They control a lot more of like the northern provinces. Where like the northern alliance is what helped us invade in two thousand and one in the first place. I see. So maybe. I mean, God knows. But then equally, like they say all that stuff internationally, and everyone sounds you know, very reassured. But then the stuff they're saying locally is the same stuff they said before. Mm. So we'll find out who's lying, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. I wonder. I, everyone's wondering what the fuck China's gonna do because China. It's not like China's really in favor of Muslim and and non Chinese ethnic groups suddenly gaining a lot of power and making their own country. Yeah. So yeah, and they have a lot of interests in Pakistan, which is right there. Yeah, it's yeah. That's gonna be the big thing. Cause what the hell are those guys gonna do? Because I mean, as much as America does care, once America's gone, it's quite far away. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, God. Interesting, interesting times, unfortunately. I mean, first... Do you reckon this will be, like, sort of, ironically, Biden's Iraq? 
Yeah, it's 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 annoying, isn't it? Because there's that clip everyone's sharing on Twitter of Donald Trump boasting about he, how he started the withdrawal and Biden can't stop it. Right. Which is true. Trump but did start but, but, but Biden's always been, correct me if I'm wrong, he's always been anti-Afghan um, occupation. He's wanted to leave, yeah, been, yeah. But yeah, he's like since like 2008, basically. Yeah, but since it's the a, Obama days. He's wanted to get out. It's a shame that something that Donald Trump wanted to have credit for, and openly said was his idea, is now going to be used as a stick to beat the other guy with. But you know, right? But had Biden not wanted to withdraw, he they wouldn't have. Sure, obviously that it's still, but like the, the the decisions, various decisions had been made before he took office. He just happened to agree. I'm just saying that, put it this way, yeah. the blame's going to be put on the Democrat Party, not on America. Ye- okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying I wouldn't mind the blame as much as if they were like, oh no, Donald Trump and Joe Biden did this stupid fucking bad geopolitical decision, or at least a good geopolitical decision done at the wrong time in a bad way, but it's not going to be that. But equally, mm-hmm. Nixon withdrew from Vietnam, and that got that was completely fucked as well, and no one cares. Well, this is what I think Biden has said as much. Is like he's kind of betting on this being like his Vietnam, and eventually no one will care. Yeah, and everyone's far enough away. I mean, that's why Donald Trump said it because the the groundswell of American people seem to just be like, "Who gives a shit? We don't even. We never even heard of this place before. Fuck it, let's go." So yeah, we've got. I mean, we've got Bin Laden. Why are we still there? I mean, that's a completely understandable uh, attitude to have if you're. If you're a Joe Six Pack, yeah, it's only it's only soppy, wet little internationalists like us that care, Phil. I'm afraid. <laughs> we are soppy, wet. We're also closer. That's 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 the main thing <laughs> for us. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's true. You know, it's you know, it's like it's like we've already have a refugee crisis, and now we've got an, a new refugee crisis chaser <laughs> yeah, yeah. to to wash down the refugee crisis. Europe was already in yes yeah and uh, and during a period in which um it's the most justified period in which to take afghan refugees at a, at a period in which countries are the least in favor of it especially like macron and merkel mm-hmm. yeah so that's going to be that's going to be another delightful thing well thank god covid's over <laughs> imagine that imagine having your city taken over by the taliban and then you get covid yeah, I mean, it's just a disproportionate it's, it's amount. It's not like of... you were going out anyway. It's not like you were. <laughs> oh, I have to isolate. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the nightlife is going to suffer regardless, I suppose. Gosh. Mm. Ugh. Well, if you can. Uh donate any money to any of the i mean there's a million and one different causes being tweeted about that are designed to help people in afghanistan and if you can spare any money then give it but otherwise i don't know write a letter to your mp or your congressman or whoever but yeah it's kind of it really we've just got to sit here phil and focus on our little jokes our little important jokes, Pierre. Our crucial Don't forget jokes. how important our jokes are. <laughs> and that comedy can change the world. Don't forget. That's why you're in Edinburgh. That's right. I'm Remember, in Edinburgh. You're there to change the world. I'm in Edinburgh because if I can amuse just one high-ranking member of the Taliban, <laughs> may, maybe I could win him over. Yeah. <laughs> like, he'll be like, um, when you and I win over audience members who are like very sort of laddie and aggressive. 
Yeah, you, yeah, you're like, huh, wow, I guess we are kind of just all the same. Yeah, yeah, and he'll be like, to be fair, I was ready to hate you. But that was pretty, that was actually pretty funny, to be fair. And you'll be like, oh, thank you, thank you. You know, I don't normally like infidel comedians, but <laughs> you, you were good. You were good. <laughs> oh, I hate it when they say that. Yeah. Ask you afterwards. Yeah, why can't they just say they liked it? Why do they keep having to point out that I'm an infidel? <laughs> infidel comedians don't have to deal with this shit. I mean, not, non-infidel comedians don't have to deal with this shit. <laughs> they just assume to be doing comedy for comedy's sake. Because I'm an infidel. That's that's I'm an infidel before I'm a comedian. It's like that's um yeah. Mike Mike Al McIntyre would never have to deal with this. <laughs> I would love to see someone who can do a really good McIntyre impression trying to do a whole set as a kind of kind of Taliban observational comedian. Yeah, I mean that that as a combination feels so retro. That is mid noughties shit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mike Al McIntyre. Yeah, and he's doing observational stuff about how all the kids are on Facebook now or something. (laughs) Keeps mentioning MySpace. God. Well, well, it's um, it's a heavy one this week. Yeah, it's a heavy week, though I suppose. But if you're, if but if we've, you know, if you need cheering up, then ah, Pianovelli and Garrett Millerick, second or third of September, Pleasant Islington, London, special recordings. It'll be a good time. Lovely. It'll be a good time. Lovely. Please do come along. It'll be an hour from each of us, so it's good value for money. Um. Um. Yeah, meanwhile, my uh, my special Philly Philly Warring Rang is still on Netflix. I haven't taken it down yet. Not yet. And I'm taking it on tour to finish the 2020 tour in September and October around the UK. Yes, nice. Um, so the, catch that tour, or can they do anything to somehow make it more powerful on Netflix, Phil? More powerful? Well, they can watch it. I don't know if those thumb thumbs ups um, are calculated. They must be. They must be. Are they still yeah. there, the thumbs? I think so. I think you can hit the... Yeah, I think you can hit, like, like I like this or whatever. Okay, well, keep thumbing it, everyone. Yeah, keep thumbing it, thumbing it. All right. Thumbing it, thumbing it, thumbing it. All right, everybody. <laughs> okay. Cheers, everyone. Bye.